you could have been one of the greatest rulers in the history of the world. Instead, you cower on holy ground. That was 1,400 years ago. But for you, the world hasn't changed. Look outside your cloister. What has changed? The means of destruction only. You are a fool. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where we rewatch each and every episode of Highlander the series and talk about it in detail. Uh, we're at the halfway point now in the series, and um, I guess we're just going to do a little recap of our favorite episodes. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Keith. Uh, my favorite episode of the first 12, I would have to say, is The Road Not Taken. I think that was maybe at this point the most quintessential Highlander episode for me. It had a good kind of mortal plot an immortal plot. The, the flashbacks really informed what was going on on the screen. Um, I thought it all, it all kind of worked together pretty well. And to my right? I'm Kyle. I'm another one of your hosts. I have to say, actually, my favorite episode will actually be the one we discussed today, uh, Band of Brothers. But up to this point, I would have to give it also to The Road Not Taken. It's really outstanding. It introduces some extra kind of fantasy elements with the the potion. It kind of explores territory that other episodes don't. The, is it Suntecho is the guest star yeah. in that? He's yeah. fantastic. Great sword fighting. The, probably the best plot we'd seen in episode up to this point. Thumbs up. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, this is Eamon, another one of your rewatchers here. I was going to jump on that bandwagon. Uh, <laughs> Band of Brothers, I think so far, has been one of the best episodes. Um, I like Mountain Men. Mountain Men is good. Yeah. I, I think that has a lot of good plot elements. And uh, just a fun episode. And you got those great accents Gotta love those accents. You have the the over the top villain. That's uh, fun. We respect your opinion on this. <laughs> uh, so the before clap. we jump into this week's episode, we're gonna do a little bit of reader mail. Uh, the first reader mail we're gonna uh, tackle is for the Sea Witch, which was a couple episodes back. Um, so we have two bits of reader mail from that. Uh, Zach O wrote in uh, that Votion sword looks like it could have been a falchion. Uh, this was a brutal hacking weapon, which uh, could go well with his respect of Stalin's butchery. Thanks a lot, Zach O, for that. Yeah, we were wondering, I guess, kind of what what kind of sword this could have been. Yeah, um, that we was a... We weren't quite sure. And then uh, Nicholas W. Uh, further commented and said, uh, that sword was for sale a while ago. The two lines along the blade were drawn on with black markers. <laughs> <laughs> They're not grooves or anything. <laughs> I think that was on eBay. Probably. I wonder or how maybe, much it maybe was. Maybe they did some sort of like fan auction thing. If you bought that sword, send us an email, please. Oh, that's, yeah. That's pretty amazing. Also, if you didn't know that and you got it, I imagine you'd be pissed when you saw it. <laughs> that's disappointment. Yeah, well, that's yeah. disappointment. Is that Sharpie? <laughs> how do you ship a sword to somebody? What is that, in a big box? I don't know. <laughs> Keith, you received a sword in the mail once. How did you receive it? Uh, I came in a... Uh, well, I got the uh, the one of the official Highlander replica swords. Uh, it came in a big like mailing tube. Oh, it was a dude. Big, like, like a poster? Yeah, like a poster would oh. come in. Did it, it had, come like, with the poster? Wrap. No, it sadly didn't. Oh. And, but I forget what it did come with. I, I got a bunch of stuff that was a big haul. I think I got Highlander coasters. Nice. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we haven't talked about Highlander merchandise too much. I, I had a few things. I had coasters. 
I had the Highlander jacket. Sweet denim jacket. The sweet denim jacket. Uh, Wait, really? Oh, yeah. We can all wear it. Well, <laughs> we can all wear it at once. Yep. <laughs> Keep the slim down in recent years. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think if I had any other like Highlander merch. I'm sure oh, I did. Back when you had long hair, you had the hair ties. I had all the hair ties. I had... Oh, I had like lapel, like a some pins, but I think they sent that for free. Dave like if lapel. If you bought so much stuff, they were like, "Here's a free like tie tack thing." Nice. It was like the hundredth episode commemorative pin, and one might have been for one like the Highlander conventions too. Cool. I didn't have a ton of Highlander stuff, but we're definitely going to ta- talk about Highlander merchandise and fandom in an upcoming episode. Uh, oh, and actually, if anyone has an old Highlander catalog out there, uh, please let us know, and we'd love like if you could mail it to us or take like really good pictures of it like yeah. we want to go through all of it yep. and talk about like the like it's a pretty extensive amount of merchandising for the show and it's pretty great stuff i remember seeing commercials for the catalog yeah like it wasn't even for merchandise it was just a commercial for a catalog <laughs> where you can buy shit yeah it was an advertisement for an advertisement <laughs> that's right yeah well that's like i don't know in the olden days the olden days of the early 90s yeah. i mean like fandom is very different now like with the internet like this is true. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that more with uh, in a very, very special fan-specific episode, I guess. But let's hop into this week's episode. This is episode number 13, Band of Brothers. It originally aired February 13th, 1993. Um, the director of this was Rene Manzor. He's a French director. Uh, this is the only Highlander episode he did, but he also did one of Highlander the Raven, which was the short-lived spin-off Highlander show uh, that we'll get to down the road. Um, but also, he was an uncredited writer on Highlander 3, which Ooh. I was interesting. The sexiest movie of 1995? Yes, that's what it <laughs> says on the box. Are you kidding me? No. What, is it just called Highlander 3? Uh, we'll talk about that more when we get to it. It has, like, four titles. Wow. <laughs> depending on, like, where you are in the world. But yeah, we'll just call it Highlander 3. There you go. For shorthand. Um, also, I guess it should be worth noting, like, we're not going to no- know who a lot of these people are in the... This batch of episodes is all produced in France, so it's like a whole different production company. So it's like French writers, French right. directors. Uh, so yeah, looking. You know, through... We always kind of like cross-check their IMDb, see what people are up to, and all these people. Most most of them have worked a decent amount, but it's yeah. all French television that we don't know anything about. Yeah, so. looking through Monsieur Manzor's IMDb, I was like, <laughs> nothing of note that I can point out. Right. Any French viewers? Uh, if Manzor here is a big deal, let us know. Uh, and the writer on this episode was Marie Chantel Droney. She's uh, back. She's back. This is what she did. Mountain Men, right? Yeah. Uh, and she's she's only done four episodes, but we presume presumably her husband is one of the writers and executive producers. Kevin Droney uh, also did Mortal Kombat, all that good stuff. Um, so she's back. Okay, as far as guest stars go, um, I guess Amanda Weiss, if we want to count her still as a guest Boo. star. This is her last episode. Oh, and, really? And probably her best, all things considered. Maybe, yeah. I mean... And that ain't saying much. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it when it comes up, but she went out on as strong a note as she had on this show. Sure. Good riddance. This episode also guest stars James Horn as Grayson. Um, he's been a lot of characters in like multiple Star Trek series, uh, but he was also Lieutenant Barnaby in Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, and he was in that Borg episode where he goes down to the Borg planet and saves Data. If anyone oh. remembers that? That one's kind of a famous episode. He was uh, on Zorro. Zorro. Oh, he was on Zorro too? Yeah. Nice. And uh, he voiced Scar in the Kingdom Hearts video games. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> But he's, he's done a lot of work. Uh, 
He's like, what? I've written 158. Here, 150, oh, 158? Yeah. I wrote 157, so he must have just done something. Yeah, he just did something. Yeah. <laughs> He's in a lot of video games. So nice. Also, Werner Stoker is in this episode. He is a new character. Darius is, I think, one of the most beloved characters from season one. We'll get to see more of him later. And uh, let's get into the IMDb episode descri- description. An immortal from long ago is trying to kill disciples of another immortal who turned peaceful, and Duncan must stop him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There we go. That's it. That's to the point. I wanted to mention um, the guy that plays Paulus, who we'll talk about later. He, he's he been in a few things. Earl Pastco. He was in the movie Battlefield Earth. Ah. Mm, that's which, a classic uh, bad movie. Yeah. Check that out. Battlefield Earth. <laughs> so basically we open. We're in Paris. Do we know we're in Paris? We do. It, it opens on a big shot of like the Arc de Triomphe. There you go. And then it's like, okay, you are not in Seacouver anymore. Yeah. And some guy's just, like, kind of sneaking around like he's being chased or something. Right. And there's this wacky, horrible music that's being played that isn't tense at all. <laughs> it didn't really match. Yeah. So he is running towards a church, basically. Right. And a monk is there. And I noticed that the monk just says, go back. Yeah. And it's like, what? Like, where? Like, where does he supposed to go back to? Like, he's being chased. Like, I don't. I, out of context, I'm not sure what's happening nope. right now. But I guess it's supposed to be a pretty exciting opening. Like, Sure. I mean, I, I don't mind uh, episode openings that are, like, a little ambiguous. Because it's like, ooh, what's this? Like, yeah. who's that? Uh, you get to learn a little bit. But then we're introduced to the villain of the episode, Grayson. Right. Who stabs this guy. Yep. Yeah, takes him downtown. Well, does he, like, throw the knife into his back? It seems like he throws the knife into his back. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. he's already he's already like in the church. Right? He's like right. on the holy ground already. Yeah. And he like throws it in after him. <laughs> Which made me wonder again about immortals doing violence to mortals on holy ground. Oh, yeah. It almost that's... seems like he's trying to cheat by like with this knife throw maneuver. It's like, ah, yeah. I wasn't actually on it. Right. So I think we, we're still supposed to assume that that doesn't fly. Yeah, probably not. Rest in peace, Jean-Pierre. Uh so we end up finding out that this, this uh, the monk, his name is Darius, and he has a past with the villain, Grayson. So they yep. start talking, and they, they, they I don't know, they plant some seeds. Uh, Grayson says that he planted this guy in his organization. Yeah. That he I was kills, little... and I was like, oh, what kind of organization could this be? Especially as the episode unfolds. It's like, what could, like, is this guy a terrorist? Maybe, probably. Don't they imply later that he's an arms dealer? Oh, do the, they? I, I don't think it's ever really... That's Randy's theory, but I feel like that's not substantiated by anything. She just decides he's an arms dealer. Yeah, okay, that might actually be what I'm thinking of. It's yeah. very, it's strangely tacked on, but I'm a little compelled by the notion that like this immortal has a whole organization behind him, and seemingly so does Darius. Yeah. Like, we don't quite know exactly what it is, but he's obviously got a web of informants if he can plant someone anywhere. <laughs> Like, once you're involved in planning people places, you've arrived, so... <laughs> so these two characters have a past together. They clearly were both warriors, I guess, in the past, and mm-hmm. Grayson thinks that he should have joined him and continued to be a great general, but Darius turned his back and became, I guess, a man of God and a man of peace, and so these two characters are at odds with each other. So after that, we cut back to Seacouver, and we're in the, uh, the antique store, and... Mm-hmm. We found out that Tess got a job. She was selected to curate a retrospective on sculpture and form right. in Paris. She was selected to be the curator of the most vague <laughs> exhibition 
in Paris. Well, that's why it's an attractive job. She really gets to put her own fingerprint on it. That's right. <laughs> and it's... so Rich, Richie's all upset. She wants to take this. She's going to take this job. I guess Richie's all upset because he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. In right. This he's like super butthurt about it. Yeah. He's yeah. like, Duncan... oh, you've got so much money invested here. Yeah. <laughs> Duncan seems pretty pissed too, which I didn't really understand because what does it matter to him? Yeah. He's like, yeah, fine. If you want to do it, just do it. What uh, you don't do, you don't go to Paris. Secure that's right. Our shows. Um, it's a little tense because he knows that she secret that she really wants to do it, but it's a little unclear. And then he receives a mysterious package from from Darius from Darius in Paris. What a coincidence! <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So it's a bag full of like rocks with ancient runes on ancient them? runes, a, a language that died out two thousand years ago. So Duncan's able to read these, and he says someone's gonna visit. And it's not one of the good guys. And so it's all still very vague at this this point, like what's what's happening. Well, so he, what's not vague at this point is that Darius is bad at his job. Because <laughs> I'm just saying, you should not send a warning that someone might be trying to kill you in a form slower than the person trying to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if someone is on their way to your house to kill you, you shouldn't send a letter. <laughs> You should pick up the goddamn phone and say, like, Duncan, this incredibly dangerous opponent, we're supposed to believe at this point in the show, the most dangerous opponent Duncan has ever faced, and it's maybe the first time we see him show genuine fear that he might not be able to beat somebody. And he sends him a cryptic runescape thing. <laughs> like, what the heck? He sends him a cryptogram by mail. Yeah. For all we know, Grayson could be waiting to receive this thing. <laughs> or worse yet, what was the? we don't exactly know when the last time Duncan spoke this ancient language. What if he just forgot? <laughs> yeah, when's the last time he brushed up on his ancient rune? Like, <laughs> like you know, any, people who have to take languages in high school know that like two years after you graduate, you forget almost all of it. Like, <laughs> he's not speaking this language with anyone. He might just get this thing and go, ugh, <laughs> Darius is saying hi? Maybe? Yeah. So, anyway, bad plan, Darius. So, Duncan then, uh, we cut. We Duncan leaves and goes to his cabin in the woods, which we've seen a couple times before. And he's out, like, training with Richie. And he's doing this great training exercise where he's jumping over a log over and over again. Yeah. I just had, like, flashback to Rocky Four <laughs> when he, like, goes into the Russian mountains to train alone. Yeah. <laughs> Where is this, like, it's it's a snowy cabin. Where the fuck is this cabin? But we're still just back in the where the fuck is Seacouver <laughs> right. kind of camp. Like, because it doesn't, they're not prepared for winter in Seacouver. They're not, like, dressing warm. That just confused me. I was like, where the fuck are they? <laughs> and they're all of a sudden in, like, a Christmas wonderland <laughs> yeah. afterwards. Um, so, we Duncan then gives some backstory on Darius. And we have a clip that's a little bit long, but I think it's kind of a fun like the Legend of Darius sort of clip, so should we play that? Yeah. All right, yeah. let's play that. Darius was once one of the great generals. Grayson was his second in command. 1,500 years ago, Darius could have led his armies across Europe and ruled for a 1,000 years. But he turned his armies back. Grayson felt betrayed and never forgave him. And Darius, ever since, has tried from holy ground to be a peacemaker. Why would he do that? It's only legend. Yeah, well, come on, Mac. With you guys, what else is there? That's a good line. I like that. Yeah. The legend has it that Darius killed the holy man at the gates of Paris, the oldest living immortal at the time. And suddenly he changed. 
He turned his back on war. You think that this holy guy's quickening went to Darius and made him good? Well, does that mean that, like, if a really good immortal, like, chopped the head off a really bad ancient immortal, that he could, you know? An interesting point. Ooh. Yeah. Pretty good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it is a... It does introduce this... Another kind of mystical element to the, the quickening. Because we're often wondering what you're actually receiving when this happens. So I think something about you inheriting a bit of their personality is kind of compelling. Yeah. But it's all still so ill-defined. And the fact that, again, in this episode, ancientness is viewed as an advantage. If that makes sense. Sorry. Mm. Getting confused looks here. Uh, so... <laughs> So Grayson is obviously extremely old. Right. And that's part of the reason why Duncan kind of fears him a bit. Similarly, this ancient immortal who Darius killed, like his ancientness and goodness was able to change Darius in a certain way. Right. But when the chips are down, they're just kind of fighting each other. Like, does the benefits of being old outweigh being like tall and strong like nothing about grayson seems overtly th physically threatening to me right and like duncan's been fighting more or less constantly since this show started i just wonder is there any reason to honestly think that he's not just a better fighter than another person well that that's interesting because i mean they say he's a powerful immortal because he's old and i don't take that as physically yeah to me that that infers or implies i don't know that him being an ancient immortal, like, that gives him something. I don't know if that means the quickenings he's received or... or That's what, what I assumed it was, is that it's less to do with the fact that they're old, but as a byproduct of being so old, you end up with more quickenings. You've, you've lasted longer, you've survived longer, so you must be, like, somewhat good at what you do. I guess maybe, but again, like, what do these quickenings actually do for you? We get treated to a lot of shirtless Duncan, and he's obviously ripped and constantly training. A lot of these people who he's taking on do not seem similarly physically imposing and don't necessarily put in the same amount of work that Duncan obviously does into training to fight. So there's always just this odd, ineffable element floating in the background on these quickenings right. where it's like, does that genuinely even the odds when you're fighting someone who's obviously extremely well-trained and jacked yeah i think they have a hard time translating what those qualities are to the screen like how do they show that the person's more powerful in a fight like without giving them magic powers which some incarnations of Highlander do uh hmm. yeah i was gonna say do, do immortals ever have other abilities aside from sensing in, each other and healing and having in, to fight with swords? In some of the movies they get into some like mystical power sort of stuff huh. um which i'm not a big fan of personally uh i can see why they do it but i don't know we'll get into that later yeah but, but i guess it's cool that there's some no, some idea that this fight is about more than just actual fighting ability and physical strength because yeah. it's not just that oh you're the you're the tallest immortal who ever lived <laughs> you win the game and also i think this idea of like a light quickening is super cool like, oh yeah he was changed by someone else's goodness uh yeah that's like a quickening influencing your character yeah that's interesting i mean duncan kills bad guys all the time bad guy immortals is he being influenced by these evil evil quickenings Maybe. and well i think and that's also the implication here is the worry is that well if you go up against grayson like he's almost the opposite of darius in right this episode is that if you kill someone like him would it be bad maybe 
Yeah, Duncan almost looks a little bit afraid. Yeah. I think Adrian Paul does like a a nice little subtle reaction to Richie's question. Yeah. No, I, I think this is a this is a really solid plot and it it's nice too because it's a little bit bigger than just one episode. Like it's like it, it introduces kind of a new thematic idea to kind of what the game is and how the stuff all plays out and And a nice element of someone else who's just not playing the game. Because you don't even especially get the idea that Grayson's playing the game. He's got his own thing that he's doing like he's got this organization he's just going about it and so does darius he's got this peacekeeping mission that's utterly separate from the game right um also before we move on from this scene uh i just wanted to play a clip of richie <laughs> yep uh, that i thought was really fun so uh they talk about who grayson's next next victim is going to be which is victor paulus who was one of darius's, darius's disciples yeah. i guess um and he's a Peaceful man. Well, anyway. why don't we let Richie tell us what yeah, he is. Victor Paulus. I've heard of that dude. He's like that guy that uh, uh, gives all those speeches, leads rallies and stuff, right? <laughs> He's one of you guys. Ha <laughs> 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 That guy, Victor Paulus. He's one of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> also, the most generic description ever. It's like, who is he? Like, what does he do? They never say what he does. Like, he just gives really vague speeches about world hunger, and he holds an umbrella. Yeah. Like a champ. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in the next scene, we're back in Seacouver at the antique shop, and Grayson pays Tess a visit. And he's looking at all this, like, ecclesiastical art, and I guess that's how Tess figures out that he's Grayson. Like, he collects all this stuff because it reminds him of Darius, and he hates him. Right, and it's from the, <laughs> and it's kind of from the the height of his power. Yeah, um, and then Grayson says the craziest thing. He goes, "Duncan keeps you abreast of many things," and then he looks at her breasts, <laughs> and looks back up. That's like, what is happening? And after seeing her in the flesh, he understands why. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Also, Tess just needs to. She needs to figure out a way to keep a lid on things because she cannot keep any secrets ever yep if and literally her life depends on it right like she she does not need to admit that duncan knows that grayson's coming that she knows he's an immortal like she could have just gone like Psst, mac this guy came and he's clearly your enemy well but instead she just has to go like oh by the way duncan was born 400 years ago he's an immortal he's my friend here we go yeah <laughs> <laughs> she just gives him a data dump it's like it's like she might as well give him his new social security number well this is crazy too because at the end of the scene like grayson's like will you tell him i was here and she's like he won't even know like i'm not telling him you threaten me this and is i guess crazy. the plan is that like does she, she wanted like Duncan to be cool with everything, like not get like flustered and like hot headed because Grayson's coming after his family. Maybe. Or it's just like, but like his life is on the line. It's like, how about some info? Like not telling him that Grayson's on the scene in Seacouver. Yeah, that he's that, already there. That so, seems like more of a threat than whatever she's thinking. Yeah, already in town and knows where you live. <laughs> yeah, nah, I'm not gonna mention that. Uh, so they're back in the cabin. There's a fake cougar growl. Yeah, there's 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 a cougar growl, <laughs> and Richie's all afraid of nature. I actually I wanted to make a, a a side note about Duncan and Richie's relationship at this point. I am kind of digging their scenes together uh, more than I have in the past. Like Duncan is getting more fun, finally. Like I think we've talked before that Duncan is like very stoic. I don't know. He's this like rock hard. Like I don't know. He's this immovable hero uh, that doesn't seem to have any flaws or like even a sense right. of humor. 
and he starts to be like funnier. Like he's joking with Richie. He's like, well, the Cougars can't swim. And he's like, well, actually they're pretty good swimmers. Like, <laughs> and they start to get a rapport going. And I, for the, for everyone who is listening to this, who obviously loves this show, like you get to know that Richie and Duncan have a great relation. Like we rag, I, I rag on Richie a lot in these early episodes, but I love Richie. Like Richie's great. He's always a fun guy, but yeah, I, I'm enjoying kind of their, their, the, the writers are starting to get a sense of making them seem more like friends and having Duncan be a little bit more fun. Yeah, because otherwise their relationship just kind of felt hollow. Because it's, it's like, why why do you enjoy hanging around? It's like, do you just enjoy being bossed around by this 400-year-old yeah, and, man? and reprimanded. Right. Yeah. What but, you don't do, you don't get scared of bobcats. I think I think it was the Indian, man. The Indian started uh, their relationship off on the right foot. The Indian, you know? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Richie asks after fearing this bobcat attack you know like did darius ever change you and then we get treated to a really nice flashback actually it's this it is great yeah great. let's like, play this clip and then we can talk about the flashback I guess. yeah but how was the battle <laughs> why does that matter to you napoleon may lose a campaign wellington may win a great victory but if they really won or lost their reputation these men have been robbed of their most precious possession forever. I shouldn't be taking part in this tragedy. I was raised a warrior. I choose battles I believe to be just. Oh, I'm sure quite loyal to your convictions and compatriots. But I wonder what these men think about that, about convictions and compatriotism now. We should note Duncan's looking around at all the dead bodies yeah. from, from the battle. So he is dressed in a British uniform from the Napoleonic Wars. This This is supposed to be... Waterloo. It's wow. supposed to be Waterloo. It's, okay. it's, it's supposed to be all that, like, because they, they do mention. Is that the, the Wellington yeah. and Napoleon at some point in this flashback? Uh, although Waterloo took place in June and it's snowing in this flashback. Uh, but apparently, I don't, I don't mind. I don't care. It looks awesome. Apparently, it snowed the night before. They, like, they had everything set and then it just snowed. And they were like, well, okay. Wow. Uh, well, it matches with the scene at the cabin that's like. I, I love this flashback. This is the best flashback we have seen in this show. It looks fantastic. Yeah, the costume design is awesome. There's yeah. all these great props because you've got these destroyed cannons and all these other kind of historical artifacts around. It doesn't look cheap. Like No, it looks this looks yeah. good. And they're having an amazing sideburn contest. Darius <laughs> and Duncan looking pretty righteous. Who won? Uh, Duncan. I think Duncan wins. Uh. Yeah. I had a couple thoughts on this. Starting to a, to a better timeline starting to fall into place about where Duncan is at any given moment. So I'm also wondering how long he's actually been fighting in this war. Because like the Napoleonic Wars lasted a really long time. We're talking like, if this is supposed to be like 1815, he could have been doing this since 1803, realistically. Right. So huge kind of chunk of time maybe he's been fighting in these, this conflict. But the other thing I wanted to ask, like, he really cares that much about helping the English beat Napoleon? Like, that's his goal? <laughs> He he's thinks... like he's pretty jazzed up about it, and like not to be the defender of Napoleon in the group, but 
<laughs> I don't know that you could say, like, oh, yeah, there's a clear moral imperative against fighting Napoleon. It's like, hey, let's help a bunch of kings fight this guy who's, like, kind of championing the French level revolution a little bit. I don't know. It's not a clear-cut thing. No. Um, yeah, I've always I've always wondered in these episodes, like, how does Duncan choose sides? Like, we, we talked about that in The Sea Witch. Like, right. he was in the Russian military? Like, for some reason, it's like, how did that happen? All right, like... Yeah, and it's not like there's a ton of love lost between the Scots and the English. So, right. like, why does he even care that much about fighting for them to begin with, let alone in this conflict? I think it's just because they had some scenery and they had some props and they were like, let's make yeah. this happen like how do we get these characters together something i wonder about the duncan flashbacks if you actually like take all the dates and put them together does it make sense can he actually go to all these different places like in the concurrent times i've been starting to put together every episode we do i've been keeping track of when and where he is and so i think as we get some more of the pieces together we should take a look and see like yeah how long he was in each place but I, as far as i know i think they did keep pretty good track of when and where he's yeah. different places also i think that might be the reason why they don't put those those title the dates, cards up in yeah. the dates mm-hmm. so they can keep it a little vague right uh, so they don't run into accidentally you know him in the wrong place at the wrong time mm. yeah also then darius tries to save a soldier with a some kind of potion right. that he makes <laughs> and a cup well, he of says it's like ancient medicine that's been like forgotten yeah which really (laughs) but (laughs) he's old and wise he can do it yeah that was pretty cool they have a great discussion i like i like the discussion they have about like loyalty and what's life worth i don't know it's pretty good and it's also interesting because they're ostensibly locked in this game built around killing each other right killing other immortals who seemingly have in abundance the thing that all these soldiers are losing because they never really have to fear death except for from each other. So that ends up being kind of compelling. It's Also, it's kind of unfair, too, when you think about it. Like, immortals participating in mortal wars. <laughs> yep. It's like Wolverine going out and fighting people. Like, he'll, they can just keep fighting forever and right. ever. And it's just like, what's Duncan's kill-death ratio in the Napoleonic <laughs> Wars? Like, how many mortals has he realistically killed? Because also, you can do all kinds of crazy, reckless things. You don't have to worry about getting killed. Like... That's right. I guess we should assume that Duncan has probably killed hundreds of mortals by the time we meet him in the 20th century. But anyway, so we cut from here to hardcore banging. Yeah. Ugh, gross transition. Yeah, it's pretty pretty intense. uh, Is this new footage or is it reused from the pilot? I checked because I had the same note. (laughs) I was like, is this the same thing? It is actually different. Oh, very good. Yep. So, th- so they filmed that multiple times. Yeah, so they made uh, Alexander of Vanderhoot take her clothes off again and <laughs> smash it with Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> so Grayson also drops off, like sends a message. He sends them a little toy soldier that's dressed just like Duncan was in the flashback without a head. Right. I suppose that is threatening. And, um, we, and we have a training montage at this point as well. And another Duncan mumble fest, like <laughs> when he was in the car. Like he's just mumbling. Yeah, and they, they got to figure out these voiceovers. Let's let's play this and talk about what he says. We're playing a lot of clips this episode. Is evil this the scene. opposite of good? Hope doesn't conquer superior adversary. So why do I hope to be Grayson? Why do I think that a good life will protect me from an evil one? So what did he just say? So first off, <laughs> I, I love this scene because it's awesome. It's just Duncan shirtless, like training and swinging the sword around. It's super badass. I do like this element of 
him being like it's just like got this like zen master sort of like quality to it like meditating thinking sure he's trying like and he's trying to work stuff out like but yeah to, to i wrote down exactly what he says he says hope doesn't conquer a superior adversary so why do i hope to beat grayson why do i think the good a good life will protect me from an evil one what power can i draw from this thing this hope hmm Eh. it's so weird it's like a bunch of nonsense like the only line i kind of like is why do i think that a good life will protect me from an evil one like i think that plays into this idea of like having what we find out are dark quickenings like darius had a light one and became good but could he eventually could he become bad like even though he's lived a good life does is that all for naught if he kills an evil immortal this whole this whole discussion of hope and like, what's it meant? Like, it can't. Con- I don't. I don't understand. Hope comes back later in this episode with an interaction Duncan has with Darius. It started here, hmm. right? But it's not established at any point before that. So I don't know if that flashback later with Darius was supposed to happen earlier, or huh? Maybe the script got rearranged. I don't know. But yeah, a lot of mumbling. Yep. Yeah, it is kind of hard to understand. Though he does again. This is where we clearly get him saying that he thinks Grayson is a superior opponent. Yeah. Which we've never heard him say about anyone else he's taken on. Right. So this is, I don't know, this is compelling. This is tension. You don't feel like he's walking into a fight that he's necessarily going to walk away from easily. So Duncan now has changed, kind of changed his mind. He now wants Tessa to go to Paris. Again, double down, you know, doubling down that you get the impression that he doesn't think he's going to walk away from from this fight. Uh, uh, so after Duncan's training montage, we are we cut to this scene. There's a helicopter landing. It turns out Victor Paulus, Darius's disciple, is on it. Um, and, of course, Rando McFarland is there waiting, Ooh. along with, like, tons of press. Like, this is yeah. supposed to, I guess, be a huge deal. And Duncan's there. He's disguised as, like, some sort of, like, helipad worker. Yeah. Like, he's got, like, headset on, the whole thing. Um, so there's an assassination attempt against Victor Paulus. Of course, Duncan stops it. Yep. And takes over as the limo driver and drives Victor away. And then Rando, like, camps out. Like, she sees his T-bird there and decides to, like, hide in the passenger seat with Why? her head down. And I was wondering, how long has she been just hiding there? So I she, like to think 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> she, Duncan, like, after he dropped Paulus off, he got some lunch. He had a drink. Right. <laughs> like, But also, he leaves his t He drives his own T-bird there. He's supposed to be anonymous. He doesn't want to be seen. He drives his own car, like, to the scene and leaves it open. <laughs> his his own totally sweet, eye-catching car. Yeah, that, like, anybody would notice. Good stealth there, Duncan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which we we know already that the cops kind of have on file yeah. as Duncan's car so, from Deadly Medicine. This scene doesn't really do too much because it's just Rando asking questions. Like, right. who are you? What are you doing? And he's just like not giving her any answers as usual. And then that's kind of it. And it's like, okay, good scene again. Like, yeah, there's there's never any trajectory with Randy. Like, it's never leading anywhere. Right. Though I think this scene is still just it, it doesn't accomplish much. But just in terms of sentence writing, I feel like it and delivery, it goes a little smoother than a lot of their interactions. Yeah. And also, it's got this emotional content that Duncan might think his days are numbered. So, like, he almost has a slightly sweet moment with her where he's like, well, I hope I see you again. Yeah, and that is true. Perhaps a little unearned, but it actually seems like they have a relationship at this point. Yeah, this is probably their best interaction so far. Yeah, I think by a wide margin. Now Duncan wants... 
Tessa to, to leave and go to Paris at this point because he's not sure he's going to make it out of his conflict with Grayson. Uh, and we are treated to another really good flashback. Uh, this time it's of what kind of looks like a pilgrim robbing Darius's church. And he has like two two uniformed goons with him. Right. Right. It kind of looks like he's still in France at this point. Like they're French soldiers, but being led by this guy who doesn't appear to be in uniform, just like a bandit. Right. Yeah. But they, Darius says, you know, we have no gold or anything like that. So the, the evil pilgrim stabs him and walks out of the church, where he has the misfortune of bumping into Duncan. Who's in like a, a black robe, like a hood, a he's weird. Like pretending to be a, a monk. A he monk. Like, yeah. He looked pretty sweet, and he takes these guys out with efficiency, but yeah. Darius is like, don't kill them. Uh, Which, too late, because I'm pretty late, sure he kills two of at them. At least two yeah. of them, yeah. So at this point, Duncan says, I guess we find out that Duncan's actually been studying with Darius, and he is going to head to America, and he hopes that you know there won't be as much hate and fighting over in the New World. And this is where Darius says, I won't rob you of that hope, that America might be less That's violent right. a place. So I'm wondering... That... So yeah, there is a thread of the, this hope through the episode. Yeah. That's interesting. I wish it was actually stronger. Me too. Yeah. So that would be, be really a great like theme. We now have a timeline, though, for the first time he gets to the United States, because we know he lives with Native Americans for a time. He obviously at some point winds up at Seacouver. So we're starting to date that, I suppose. We don't know how long after 1815 it is. It should be after 1815. So we cut back to the present, and Grayson confronts Duncan... And he says, if you don't get out of my way, like, I guess Grayson doesn't really actually want to fight Duncan no. at the end of the day. But, like, his, his main goal is Darius. So he's like, if you don't get out of my way, I'll start hurting the people you love. Uh, so that's, I guess, the, the, the threat level is increased at this point. Though he's already said that he's willing to have just a one-on-one with Duncan. So I'm, again, left wondering what the deal is with this organization that he apparently heads up because he doesn't appear to be using it to help him beat duncan in no. any way and he's not using it to put the squeeze on him he's kind of just doing it himself and randy shows up at the end of this scene did anyone notice that she yeah. just like pops her head and she's like yep. hey what's going on who is that what's happening yeah. like and then the scene's over it's like god get well, out of this show yeah <laughs> what was that shoved her into the shot yeah what was that the weird like it, it's at the cemetery where paulus is giving another vague speech um and she's, like, there very awkwardly holding her microphone, like, forward. But then Duncan and Grayson, since they're on holy ground at the cemetery, they get to have a nice chat while they're there. This is the first in a long string in these upcoming episodes of somebody saying, Ah, holy ground, a good place where we can talk business. Yeah, they, they try to reestablish it, I think, every yeah. episode, just in yeah. case you're just tuning in. Yep. Well, you know, before TiVo... Right. There, are, yeah. uh, there are a fair amount of rules to this thing. Yeah, you do so have to reestablish them. You'd probably, if you weren't really hip on this thing and you were a new viewer, you'd probably be sitting there going, like, why aren't they just punching each other? Right. So back at the antique store, uh, Tess is getting ready to leave. She's, like, all broken up. She doesn't want to say goodbye to, to Duncan, uh, especially because she knows kind of what's at stake. Like, they, they really do play up the stakes are being very high. Like, Duncan could die in this episode. Yeah. Um, and I think you feel it more in this episode than in the previous ones. And, of course, Richie's still upset. But then Duncan surprises Richie with the ticket to Paris. You got to protect her from all those French dudes. Right. <laughs> Richie is going to go pack. Tess and Richie are off 
to Paris. But before he does, he feels squeamish because they're not going to make me eat frogs and snails, are they? <laughs> At least not right away. <laughs> <laughs> so Duncan and Grayson are finally about to have it out. There's a couple like interesting lines of dialogue here. Grayson confronts Duncan with this quote. He says, Darius thinks there's something waiting for us after this, but you're smarter than he is. And I was like, oh, like what's going on here with like religion and Duncan and kind of all this sort of stuff. And I don't Mm. know. We get back into it a little bit more too with, with Darius and either it's in this episode or the next episode about what Darius really believes. That's the, that's the episode with Xavier St. Cloud. Yeah. Uh, And I don't, I think it's just interesting. Uh, I'm not sure what all these components mean, especially like when you're dealing in a fantastical world like this. Yeah. With immortal people live forever. And yeah. How does religion play into that? And how do people define their faith, especially someone like Darius? Like, and do we know exactly how old Darius is? We know that 1400, years ago he was like the strongest according to the watcher chronicles he was born in 50 a.d wow. 50 a.d yeah so he's the oldest one we've seen so far aside from grayson or is grayson that uh, grayson's born later uh, oh, okay. i'll have to look into the watcher chronicles for that at the end of the episode uh and then marcus was born in like 137 or something he was the oldest one uh, prior mm. right who Duncan is already wasted. So he's getting a lot of years here. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if years is how we measure this, but if so, he's cleaning up in some of yeah, these recent so episodes. So Grayson wants to recruit Duncan to be part of like his organization or right. whatever. And he's like, we can be, we can be kings. Yeah. <laughs> which is like this odd, like mirroring that he wants to be to Duncan, what Darius was to him. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. This kind of hanging together of these immortals. So he's like, Oh, we can, we can be arms dealers or whatever for a century or two. And then we'll, Maybe we'll fight it out then. Yeah. Uh, but then I thought there was an interesting line that Duncan says. He's like, the gathering is near at hand. Uh, like, so he's like, we don't have time for this sort of like pussing around with like arms yeah. dealing and stuff. So I thought this was interesting because it's near at hand now. Like the, the writers have backed off. Yeah, a little bit. and it's like in previous episodes, it's like we're the gathering in it. is here and now. Yeah, like, we're in it. And now, now it's they say, they say it after this too that it's closer. No, that it's going on. They say it after this episode, too. They say, like, I know it's the gathering, but... Well, they're, they're, but I think they, they're very specific with their word choice. Like, this is near at hand. Like, it's... Right. I don't know. I think they're trying to distance themselves huh. a little bit from having the gathering be, like, right this second. I don't know. Yeah. But Duncan's... I like Duncan's quip. Retort to that. He's like, you think any of us have a century left? That's yeah. good. Some people drive by and kind of ruin their, their fun. They start kind of fighting. It's so dark though i yeah. don't understand why this scene is so dark i don't think they even lit the scene i think they're just using like the lights in the park yeah like, like it's, it's very grainy it's like it's not lit well yeah like it they start fighting and then like a light goes by i guess it's supposed to be a car and somebody says go back what's that Some good <laughs> adr yeah fun adr uh but, so they, they can't can... fight at this point so the next scene is at the sterling hotel Randy, of course, is there to cover this event because Victor Paulus is going to give a speech at this hotel. Like, I still don't understand exactly what he's well, there for. Well, here's what he's there for. He's there to twist some arms and win over a few stony hearts, according to Randy. <laughs> yeah. So that's what he's doing there. As you do. Yeah. Um, so Grayson has, like, paid off some security people to murder Victor. Uh, but somehow Duncan is in on this, and he, like, tracks down victor who's in the basement and then there's a big karate fight uh which is great evil karate laundry men (laughs) well they're i mean at least they're they're actually grayson's goons they're not just 
randos who happen to know karate yeah. right but this whole sequence is pretty fun yeah I like it. it's cool and duncan really kind of wrecks these dudes yeah and they're willing to have like the the scenery kind of explodes at certain points like with steam and all that and there's some fun quips back and forth like victor's like well why why are you helping me and he's like I'm a friend of Darius. And he's like, Darius didn't teach you that. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> or he's like, I'm not a great, I wasn't a good student or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny. Th- and like, they're in this dark boiler room and there's this weird wailing guitar going yeah. on. It's like, <laughs> As they're just like going through this thing that looks like a horror room set. Like, why? Yeah. I would say, Victor, like, you got to play some heads up baseball here. Like, yeah. why are they reading you through this like creepy boiler room? <laughs> Right this way, Victor. Yeah, and here's where one of the Saw movies was filmed. Don't pay any attention. I just want to say, after the fight, like, the real security guards come up, and they point guns at Victor and Duncan and say, Freeze! You okay? (laughs) I thought that was very funny. Paulus manages to show up to the speech, of course, and as soon as Grayson sees him, he's like a mad little kid. He, like... Gets all red in the face and storms out. And Rando's like right on him behind him. Because of course he draws a little a ton of attention to himself. Yeah. Like, this speech is like in a living room. It's yeah. so <laughs> tiny. So like he's making a huge scene by storming out. Also, why is Grayson there? Yeah, why show like, up at all? Why? Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, well, I guess I'll, I'll just be kind of into that. He's it, like, yeah. he wants to be there when like he... But if, like, he's getting a lot of personal satisfaction out of that's true. Like that messing true. with Darius, like if, he wants to be there for. This. If something goes wrong, I mean, I guess he's like arrogant. But like, if something goes wrong, who hired you to kill Victor Paulus? Oh, that guy sitting right there. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's fair. Uh, two things I wanted to say about this. Uh, did anyone notice the speech he was giving? Because in the background, you hear him giving the speech. It's the same one it's at the, the same cemetery. Speech. Yeah, it's the one in the cemetery. So yeah. they didn't even like spend the time to write like two anything speeches. New. Like, well, it's like campaign stops. You know, I guess so. He gives the same speech in like 40 little towns in Iowa. Randy's there and she like follows uh, Grayson out and like questions him. And then the scene is over. I just wanted to say, that's it. That's the goodbye, Randy. That's the last we ever see of her. Like they don't like she's cut out. She of the doesn't show. get a goodbye. She doesn't really anything. get like a send off in the show. Like Duncan never says like I'm moving to Paris or anything <laughs> like that. Like goodbye. Like there's no send off for this character. Like she just questions Grayson. The scene's over, and, like, here's your check. See ya, Rando. Like, you're done. <laughs> Goodbye forever. Yep. I wish I could say it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We should have a little a moment. We should have a... Uh, we, we should, should put a, We should make a collage. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> we should pour, pour one out for Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to look up everybody's medical records now? This is true. Anyone. Apparently, anyone ever yeah. with a computer can do it. <laughs> well, that cameraman, Bob, was his name, Bob? Yeah, I think, I think so. it was. But we can at least guarantee the plots will move along... Yeah. swifter now because yeah. she won't be there to get in the way yeah and to recite weird news copy <laughs> <laughs> while pacing to and fro so so we end up now in another great location yeah some kind of sulfur processing a, yeah, plant, yeah. Like yeah silo the scene is really cool they it's don't awesome. quite establish how or why they end up there i have a note on that it's very strange like we go from the fight in the park cut to hotel where right. there's a speech cut to nighttime in sulfur mines. And it's like, okay, like yep. it, there, there's no setup for any of those scenes. Nope. It just jumps. And it's like, okay, I guess you just buy along with it. Well, they're not texting each other at this point. No cell phones. <laughs> yeah. And... Also, I just want to, the... <laughs> maybe at the sulfur mines, yeah. frowny face. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to point out, um, 
Grayson in this scene is wearing a white turtleneck, which has been Duncan's go-to like turtleneck. He wears white <laughs> turtlenecks a <laughs> lot. So it's like, what's up, Grayson? You need stealing Duncan's uh Duncan's fashion sense yeah, here. So is he really are they are, are both Grayson and Duncan really arrogant? Because all I'm saying is a white turtleneck might be the worst thing to wear to a sword fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least one that you might have to walk away from. <laughs> And that's their Labor man. Day. Yeah. Mm. Covered in your or somebody else's blood. <laughs> yep. Wear something dark, man. <laughs> also, in the fucking sulfur factory, like, where yeah. you're going to get dirty. Yeah, like, it's going to be just yellow when he's done regardless. Yeah. So. so this looks awesome. Like, sulfur is, like, bright yellow. And it's at nighttime during, like, a thunderstorm, too. Yeah. So, like, the, I don't know, the everything kind of comes together really well. Like, the lighting, the scenery. Yeah. Uh, this is a cool location to it have is. a fight. Grayson's sword is cool too. It it kind of looks like if you've ever watched the Don Bluth animated movie Secret of Nim. It's like the one oh, rat the one rat sword. It's kind of has like a weird how would you describe that? It's like wavy. Yeah, they're, it's a wavy they're actually called sword. Uh, or something. Yeah. swords because oh. they look like a flame. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. So they they're mostly like decorative. I, I know we have some like sword expert people out there. As far as I know, they don't really cause any more damage. Mm. But they're like they're decorative. Uh I think it also like it's supposed to like make your opponent uneasy because when you hit swords together, like it feels different than a normal sword. Like the vibrations, like as you drag sword against oh. sword, like it waves around a bunch. Hmm. Does that make sense? I'm I'm trying to describe this. No, I get in it. Audio yeah. medium, uh, but just wagging your hand around. Exactly. Um, but yeah, well, like I guess the it, sword against the other sword, it might like buckle against the grooves. Yeah, or like something, it, it or, bounces around yeah. on those grooves, and it makes the other hmm. opponent uneasy. It's um, a fitting sword for Grayson. I think. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And this is a cool fight scene. It is. I wish something had been... Well, A, I wish this wasn't the final fight. Because, as you probably would guess, Duncan wins. I just wish there had been some kind of revelation. Because this is the first time you go into a fight legitimately kind of scared for Duncan. Or Duncan's at least scared for himself. So I kind of wish there had been some explanation as to how he pulls this off. Or, like, maybe they thematically tie things back together. Yeah. That gives him the edge. Or... Better yet, the fight doesn't end. Like, Duncan flees for the first time and, you know, actually takes a black eye on this one. Yeah, I think that would be good. Because Grayson is kind of great. Like, he's a really interesting foil to Duncan and a really interesting foil to Darius, who becomes a great recurring character. So this would have been, of we've mentioned many times, it would be cool if people hung around. But I think of all of them, this is the most... Absolutely. Most fitting that this guy deserves to be in more episodes and really, it, that's what would have filled out this entire plot arc better. Yeah. And again, this this could have been one of those series or season-long villains that we'll, we'll eventually see in like season three with uh, Callus, who's maybe my favorite villain. Yeah, I, it, it's just done so well. It's it's great. But uh, yeah, like there, I don't exactly know how he beats him e- either. Uh, like Duncan gets like injured in this fight. Yeah. And it's like he seems to be down for the count. But he has his back towards Grayson, and then he has this very quick moment where he, like, closes his eyes, he's holding his sword, and I was like, oh, like, there's some sort of, like, meditation thing happening here. Or I was trying to think about Darius, I was like, is he praying? Is there, there's something happening? And then, out of nowhere, Duncan just spins around and, like... And wins. He does it. But, yeah, I wish they expounded on this theme more, and it's like you said, Kyle, if this was stretched out over episodes, like, Duncan seems to be worried about this idea of hope in the beginning when he's training. He's like, hope won't like let me win like he seems to be doubting himself and doubting what maybe the power of hope is or whatever it is and maybe he could meet with darius and darius could teach him more 
And so then when it came time to fight Grayson, like instead of fighting out of anger, he's, you know, like th- there's, there's some sort of something he learned, some Pay skill off. or yeah. so, there's some, some, some way to wrap this up and make it come full circle. Yeah. Uh, something that he has that Grayson doesn't. Cause also Grayson kind of dominates this entire fight. Oh like, yeah. Grayson is, Grayson is beating him until he isn't. Right. Uh, well, the one thing, his pose that harkens back to his Mumblefest training sequence, he <laughs> does that pose. So maybe it's the hope thing. I don't know. I, mean, I do think that's what they were trying to oh, do. Definitely. And I yeah. definitely agree that it very much resembled a prayer. And I think that was kind of supposed to be the, the point. But it just felt, too, it was just too fast. Like, you yeah. they couldn't really build on it. And you as the audience couldn't really enjoy it that much because it's just, it comes and it's gone. And right. that's it. And that's I we'll see this as the the show progresses, but I think I talked in maybe the last episode. Like they don't explore some of these small moments too much in these this early season. Like they they if they cut out all the Victor Paulus stuff, it'll be great. Like that character doesn't need to exist. Like because nope. Duncan was in a way a disciple of Darius. Yeah, and, and someone... so why not just have Grayson be like, I'm coming after your other friend Duncan, and well, he's so... not even sure if. Uh, Grayson's coming for him or Paulus. Like that's, and I guess we learned that he's actually after Paulus. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he says does... that at one point. He's like, "I'm, I'm not here for you. I'm here for him. Stay out of my way." But yeah, they could have just that would have cut like that would have freed up like ten minutes worth of screen time. Uh, and I think, I mean, maybe they wanted that screen time filled with kind of more action beats, like, "Oh, Duncan's got to save this guy two times." Right. Uh, It'd be but nice if he saved him just once. Yeah. And like, we don't even need to necessarily have a relationship with this Paulus guy. Just that something to give stakes between Grayson and Duncan. It's like, okay, now they really right. Hate but then each other. they can explore then these these kind of smaller moments like this meditation. Like the training sequence, I think is has the seeds of something like really great. And if they revisited that training sequence, even within this episode, if it wasn't a multi episode arc, just to have Duncan train in the beginning. Maybe Duncan trains a little later. Like he he learns something. He faces Grayson once. He loses. Well, there's there's no payoff to Paulus living either. But he lives to give that speech again. No, that's right. <laughs> again and again. <laughs> and he will give it again tomorrow. But this fight is really cool. Yeah. Uh, the, again, awesome location. And, like, seeing them, like, slide down, like, the piles of sulfur and, like, go through, go up and down this scaffolding. One note I had, like, because, you know, Duncan is getting beaten. He kind of flees. At one point, he completely turns his back to Grayson, which I can't imagine is a good idea, <laughs> and then runs up these tiny little steps, and all I could picture was the, Jerry! Yeah. <laughs> like, taking the baby steps. It's like, how does he not just not get stabbed in the back in this moment? Like, yeah. He's going very slowly up these steps. Like He should get shit-housed. <laughs> so it's a great fight, great quickening, I think. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty classic quickening. It's got that sort of like over-the-top O-face thing going on <laughs> lightning everywhere it's awesome uh, cute face but then then we we cut and i guess now we're wrapping up the episode uh so the next scene duncan uh heads to paris to meet up with tess and richie so first he sees darius at his church i guess tess has uh taken i guess sanctuary there waiting for duncan to arrive she comes running out they start kissing blah 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 then richie comes out yeah richie is making sure that there's not a chance in hell that no one will mistake him for anything but an american he's got a <laughs> denim vest on yeah. his jeans are shredded to pieces it's like he is where but he might as well just have an american flag across his like as a cape mm-hmm. like, <laughs> which i would appreciate yeah <laughs> and yeah he all of a sudden jumps in and of course he immediately because that's like his shtick at this point in the show just talking about girls yep uh and gets a great bit of dating advice from darius complimenting uh your love's father's horse yeah, yeah he's like when i was <laughs> he said yeah the first thing you do you compliment your 
you had to compliment her father's horse, but I guess that doesn't really apply anymore. <laughs> and then they have like a ho ho ho. I love bits of dialogue like yeah. that. Yeah. I actually really like when they they like call out like any sort of like outdated like mode of thought or what they used to do and how it doesn't. I don't. Know, I think it's really it's a fun way to use their mortality for a good laugh. I, I would have appreciated if Richie tried it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, just want to ask a question about Darius while we're talking about kind of outmoded dating things and whatnot. So he's supposed to be like. Fourteen hundred years ago, or sixteen hundred years ago, whatever it was, was when he was conquering Europe. Is he? Who is he? Like, wasn't Europe already conquered by Rome at that point? This is before the fall of Rome. If it's fourteen hundred years before nineteen ninety-two, right? Hmm. So Rome is already conquered by a thing. Like, is he like a Roman general? Like, they always give the implication that he's assume... like a barbarian or something like that. All right, yeah. In the Watcher Chronicles, it says he was born in fifty. In a nomadic tent east of the Orals. Hmm. Don't know what that is. I don't know nope. either. Me neither. That's all the info we, I really get. Uh. I would guess like Roman army something. I don't know. I guess. Because uh, it seems like it's already like mission accomplished. It's not like, <laughs> oh no, this guy might conquer Europe. It's like, hey, Europe's already conquered. I guess this guy's involved? Yeah. Right. Huh. So that's, I don't quite know what that's about. Yeah. Uh, but it's a super cool plot line. He's great. I love Darius. Yeah. And his voice is utterly puzzling, but very compelling. Yeah. Like, I always make you think of, like, Tom Hardy playing Bane, in that, like, you never <laughs> quite know what his voice is going to do. <laughs> it's like, where's he going with this? I, forget, I, I, I can't remember. I don't know if I should say that. Well, I just don't want to be wrong. But I, I, he might be, like, Alsatian or something, which is, like, between, like, the French and German border. Oh, so that sense. might lead to hmm. his, like, having a, a, a slightly different sort of accent. Uh, so anyway, Duncan and Tess go on a date. Uh, and Duncan, I guess, is totally cool with Tess taking this job. He's like, I'm just yeah. going to hang out now. He's going to be kept. And just bro out in Paris. <laughs> yeah, on his sweet barge. Yeah, so then he he mentions that he has a barge. And she's like, you have a barge? I have a barge. They say barge 50,000 times <laughs> in the span of And that's a like the end of the episode. He's like, I have a barge. Credits. <laughs> <laughs> that's the climax of the episode, right? I, I have a note here. Like, I... I find the ends of these episodes to be a little disappointing. Like these little, like essentially like tags, they end up being like after the quickening. Like I wish they would tie up thematically a little bit yeah. more of the episode. Like, like after the 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 conflict is resolved, like everything just like gets resolved right away back to like zero. Like everything yep. just gets like reset. Uh, like nothing happened. And you see that all the time in like I mean most movies. Like romantic, con- like all sorts of things have this structure where yeah. it's like once it's resolved, it's like boom, we're back to normal happy ending like it's a happily ever after sort of structure well, it's like a sitcom too where yeah. you know they get rich on the episode then by the end of the episode they have to lose all the money right. and be back to normal yeah so everything goes back to normal. See, i wish they just kind of dealt a little bit just even with a couple lines of like what happened and like but they only use the ends of the episode just to set everything back to normal which yeah. i think is a little disappointing because certainly in moments like this like i would have appreciated maybe a chat between like darius and richie or and mac like all three of them together like do you feel different now that you killed this? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that would be great, man. Yeah, and actually, then, like, Richie would be great, the, a great person to bring that up because he was like, well, "Could that happen?" And like, he could maybe be a little scared of Duncan. Like, yeah, hey, are, things are cool, right? Like, it's still you, right? Yeah, you're not having the the opposite experience that Darius had. So that would have been a interesting thing to you know keep an, an eye on throughout the episode or throughout yeah. the season but anyway this is a great episode fantastic this is real good yeah yeah i, I think this the is best the best episode so that we've seen yeah. of all of them so far yeah it's excellent darius is a really strong addition to the show 
I think A, he's just a strong character in a vacuum. But I think this show was really lacking an immortal compatriot. Yeah. Some source of exposition that doesn't feel flimsy and doesn't constantly rely on Duncan knowing everything. Because all of his mortal companions can add nothing to the game, really, to any plotline involving that. Because he's just got no source of information. They have no reason to know or reason to even be relevant. Like, they're only really bait and hostages and things like that. So having having an actual sounding board for things that are game related i think is pretty critical to the yeah to what makes the show work and that, that worked out well in the the pilot episode too the gathering because right. like connor mcleod got to got to do kind of a lot of these things that i think darius serves as like to be kind of a moral center for duncan to like back him up and it works it works well yeah and for them to have a relationship that's you know different than the kind of relationships he can have with mortals because mm-hmm. that's a theme that's played with a lot in this show is the relationship between mortals and immortals so we actually finally get a contrasting point where we can see what that's like. Um, I was I had, a, I had a question. We had talked about titles a lot in the uh, past couple episodes. See no evil, and uh, I forget what some of the other ones were. Um, what what do we think the title is about in this episode? Monks. I think Band this, of brothers. I think this is about Darius's crew. I think is the idea. Okay, I, like, I was kind of wondering who what, the who the band is. Because uh, Duncan and Darius, or. Yeah, I think it's Duncan Darius, Vic, Victor Paulus, the guy who gets killed in the beginning. Jean-Pierre. Right. Jean-Pierre. Uh, and it's like, because that's part of the the whole strategy here. It's like they've come together to try to do something good, ostensibly, and but it's also Darius's biggest weakness because this is what might draw him out or give Grayson a, a means to destroy him. So that's kind of interesting. Again, I would have liked to know more about whatever Grayson's org is because that would have might have also been an interesting contrast it's like oh what's his band of brothers like yeah. what's his shadow organization that's the that dark cool. reflection of darius grayson.org yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah this was a really great episode thanks everybody for listening um it sounds like i'm saying that our episode was a really great episode not this shows. <laughs> this is a really great episode, everybody. <laughs> Good job, us. Yeah, you had fun, right? Yep, of course you did. <laughs> you will. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Rewatchers. Uh, follow us on Facebook. That's the big one. Um, we put all sorts of clips up there. You can interact with other people in the Highlander fan community. Um, it's really great. Um, also, make sure to follow us on like Instagram at Highlander Rewatched and write us emails if you have comments or thoughts on these shows. Uh, we'll read your comments on a later episode. So you can email us at highlanderrewatched at gmail.com. And I think that about does it for this week's. Uh, next week's episode is... For evil's sake. Ooh. I've been one of your rewatchers, Keith. I'm Kyle. Amen. All right, bye. Bye-bye. See you. Is that all right? All right. All right. I kind of like all right. Yeah. That's just me. All right, catch all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Now, now ladies. ladies. <laughs> hey, uh. <laughs>